Hi, this is Rob Silverstone, and you're listening to The Rob Silverstone Show. On today's episode, we're going to talk about interviewing. Actually, we'll talk about interviewing from two points of view, both from the interviewee point of view, if you are looking for a job, looking for a mentor, and also from the interviewer point of view, if you're looking to hire somebody or you're looking to be a mentor. Both sides could benefit from a better understanding of what the other side is thinking about or asking about. So first, let's talk about interviewing from the interviewee point of view. Actually, what is the purpose of the interview? Well, primarily it's to get a job, but it could also be to seek a mentor. In terms of searching for a job and hoping that you land that first interview, make sure you do preparation beforehand. Research the company and, if possible, the person with whom you will meet. Start with LinkedIn, which is a very common source in social media for all kinds of voluntary information about companies and about individuals. Be sure to look at the company website, especially if it has information about the company's mission, if it has financial information, usually if the company is public, if it has recent press releases or other news, It might describe the senior staff. It might talk about the products in depth, maybe even have information about some of the customers. This is all helpful background information as you do your research. Of course, also check news sites to see if there's any recent or past information about the company that might be helpful for you to know. And if the company doesn't have information on its own website about its SEC or Securities and Exchange Commission filings, You can certainly look at the SEC website as well. Industry articles or industry research sites may have further information about your company, especially if it's smaller and non-public. And finally, there may be independent websites with employee postings such as Glassdoor.com and Salary.com. If you go to those sites, tread lightly, of course, since it's all voluntary information by employees, many of whom may be less than happy with their company. That might mean that the information you read about a company on Glassdoor or on Salary.com may be a little bit more negative than would be warranted. Of course, it's helpful to have that information anyway in case there's anything major that's wrong with the company, but also take the salary information that's posted with a grain of salt. After all, who would voluntarily post information about his or her salary? Usually lower-level and younger employees, not so much older and higher-level employees. So you might get a skewed result in terms of average salaries or average compensation. It's still good information to know, but don't take it as the final truth. So once you've done your research, you want to formulate questions based on what you have learned and have a list of questions before you go to that interview. This will show A, that you're better prepared, and B, that you've taken the initiative, both of which are important skill sets for most companies looking to hire somebody. So some typical questions that interviewees ask that portray them in a good light, questions such as, tell me about the position. What type of person are you looking for? Ask these questions to show that you've done your research Uh, especially weave in, uh, if the company has had any major recent announcements about new products or new initiative, to show that you're up to date in terms of what the company has been doing. You might want to ask the interviewer, 
How do you like working at the company? How did you get where you are today? What do you do in your current role? And what is your next career step? These are all separate questions. Don't ask them all at once. You don't want to spend most of the interview having the uh, interviewer talk about himself and not so much ask you questions about why you'd be a good fit for the company. But we'll get to that. Another question you could ask is, does the company have a diversity, equity, and inclusion program? This is important not just if you happen to be a member of a minority group, but also to show whether the company has caring and concern about its employees, about the larger community. It tells a lot about a company if it does or doesn't have one of these programs in place. You might want to also ask, how do I compare to other candidates? Just to see what the interviewer says. You might be the number one candidate, and the interviewer might not be so likely to tell you that, But at the same time, you also want to show that you are aware of the competition and that you're not the only game in town. You could also ask towards the end of the interview, do you consider me as being qualified for the job? Not that the interviewer will tell you if you're totally unqualified, but it might give you a sense, especially if the interviewer pauses, to know where you stand. Uh, At the end of the day, you are qualified on paper. That's why you got the interview in the first place. And if you passed an HR screening, and this is now a second round interview, you are qualified because of that. But only the hiring manager can truly judge if you have all the skill set necessary for the job. Keep in mind also, when you're interviewing for a job, you might not have all of the skills that are on the wish list in the job description, and that's okay. Most companies don't expect that any one human being will have all of the skills, but the companies hope that you have the majority of skills or the majority of experiences. And obviously, everyone can learn what he or she doesn't know. You don't know the job you're walking into totally well unless you already work at the company. So there's an expectation of a learning curve. Assuming your interview goes well, uh, and you want to work at the company, it's always good to set, to do follow-up. First, send a thank you note. That shows that you're interested in the job and you think it's the right job for you after the interview. Thank you note can be via email or it could be a handwritten note, but either way, send a thank you note within 24 hours of that interview. That best shows that you're, inter- you're interested in the job and you'd be surprised how many candidates don't take that extra step. It takes all of 10 or 15 minutes to compose a good thank you note. Uh, You need to remind the person of the job you're applying for, thank the person for his or her time, and express why you're interested. You might add one sentence that elaborates on what you said, but don't rehash your resume and don't rehash the entire conversation in the thank you note. It should be short and sweet. Unless you know the interviewer well, do not communicate via text as text messages can get lost in the shuffle, unless, of course, the interviewer prefers to send information back and forth via text. If you don't hear back within a few weeks, that's okay. You can email questions again to ask about the process and timing, but don't become a stalker. Don't send emails twice a week or even more frequently. Give the interviewer time to answer. Some companies move faster, some companies move slower than others. Some companies may even take several weeks between each step just because interviewing is not their day job, it's a side gig, and they've got their day jobs to worry about. One story I like to tell is earlier in my career, I was interviewing, and I interviewed with the founder of a startup. 
Obviously, I look good on paper or else he wouldn't have given me the time of day. I was interested in the job that was available. It was the head of finance. We ended up talking for three hours, which I was surprised. Obviously, the conversation went well. We talked a lot about my background, about his background, about why I might be a good fit. After a three-hour interview, I thought, for sure, I'm going to the next step. I'll meet with his co-founders. Hopefully, I'll be in a good light. Hopefully, I'll get a job offer. But you know what happened? Nothing. I sent a follow-up. A couple weeks later, I sent another follow-up via email. A couple weeks later, another follow-up. I never heard a peep. In effect, I was ghosted, and I was shocked. I figured three hours, you know, that's very generous of the founder to give me three hours of his time. The least he could do is tell me he's not interested after a couple of follow-ups. I didn't want to be a stalker, so I didn't send anything after my third correspondence with the company after the interview, but I just figured it had found somebody else and moved on. You'll find this a lot, unfortunately, that companies don't know how to give you bad news, so they give you no news. That's also known as ghosting, as I mentioned. It happens. Don't take it personally. Some companies just aren't good about following up. It's unfortunate. I can tell you in my lifetime, if I've interviewed numbers of candidates, if a candidate didn't work out, I would say so. We've hired somebody else. Thank you for your time. We wish you best of luck in your pursuit. But to not give any answer, it just doesn't seem appropriate. Now, another aspect of applying for jobs, let's say you see an online listing and you apply and you get an interview. That's great. Don't subsequently apply to every single job available at the company, especially ones for which you are not appropriate or not even eligible, as that can seem also a form of stalker behavior. Uh, Many companies, more sophisticated ones anyway, have software that tracks the number of different jobs the same candidate has applied for. And if you apply for your fifth or sixth job at a company within a short period of time, the potential interviewer might notice that and think, wait a minute, I don't know if I really want to talk to this person. It seems like she applied to every single job available from assistant to senior vice president. That doesn't seem right. So you can sabotage yourself by doing that. However, that said, if you see more than one job for which you feel you are eligible, there's nothing wrong with applying there. Be honest about it. If it asks you if you've applied for other jobs at the company, click yes, because as I said, the companies usually have software, so they can track that anyway. And honesty is always the best policy when it comes to the interview process for both sides. So as a candidate, you might also be seeking an informational interview or looking to try to find a mentor. Another form of interviewing, very similar, except that you're not actually talking about a specific job opening at that company. So the process, of course, is very similar, though arguably you might focus more on the people you're going to be meeting with since a little, it's a little bit less about the job at hand and why you're a good fit for the job at hand, since in effect there is no job at hand, at least not at the moment. So as you formulate questions, you might want to ask more questions about the person you're speaking with. For example, what got you to your current role career-wise? What do you like and dislike about your company? What advice can you give me about the job search process? And at the end of the conversation, ask, can you give me a few more, few people that I might be able to network with, either at your company or colleagues of yours out in the workplace? Most people are happy to help, and especially because an informational interview tends to be shorter than a job-job interview, uh, it's a good way to end the conversation. 
if you know the person well enough, or maybe you've met with a person a few times and the person has become your mentor, feel free to ask that person if he or she will serve as a reference for you in your job search. It's always helpful to have favorable references, and many companies ask you for two or three. Some might be work-related, some might be friends, some might be school-related, so keep that in mind as well. Never put someone's name down as a reference if you haven't first gotten permission from that person to do so, however, because if the person's taken by surprise by reference phone call, the person might not be so happy about it and might not talk about you in as favorable light as you would like. Once you end that interview with that uh, mentor or informational person, always ask if you can follow up from time to time. And when you do follow up, of course, as, as before, always, always, always send a thank you note. It's so important. That's why I told you twice. Again, it could be email, it could be paper mail, but it is absolutely an essential part of the process. You're thanking the person for giving you time out of his or her busy day just to talk about jobs and careers. That's important and that's a gift. And always look a gift directly head on and realize its value. In that thank you note, as with the interview thank you note, be brief and include one or two relevant points that were discussed. As you reach out later, do it in a kind and non-stalkerish manner. My favorite saying is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if you were on the other side of the desk, how often would you want to be reached out by the same person? So don't expect the person you met with to have you top of mind all of the time, especially if you've met the person for the first time. Reach out a few weeks after the first meeting and then perhaps several weeks after that. Emails are best as they can be held in a list or a folder to respond to later. Calls can be considered intrusive and texts often get lost once they're initially read. Be very careful about sending notes out about birthdays, uh, other important events that you might notice on the person's social media page, even if it's just LinkedIn as you don't want to seem obsessed with the company or the person. Of course, if you feel comfortable and you see on LinkedIn it's the person's birthday, of course, just send a quick note to say happy birthday. But never, ever, ever say happy birthday, by the way, I'm still looking for a job, can you help me? You know, a message like happy birthday or congratulations should stand on its own. If you want to reach out about the job search or about uh, getting advice, do it in a separate message a day or two later. Just don't combine them as it sounds disingenuous to do so. So now that we've talked about interviewing from the interviewee point of view, let's talk about interviewing from the interviewer point of view. Of course, if you're looking to hire somebody, the purpose of the interview is to find the right candidate. So you're watching for how closely the person's resume conforms to the job requirements. Was there an appropriate cover letter included? And by the way, for those of you who are interviewing for jobs, whenever it says cover letter is optional, It's not optional. It's mandatory. If you want the job, send a cover letter. Be brief, a few paragraphs. Explain why you want the job and why you're a good fit. Don't rehash your resume, but it's important that you send it. And if you're the interviewer, you're looking for a cover letter that has those elements that doesn't just rehash the resume. Single-page cover letters are appropriate. Two- or three-page cover letters take too long to read. So you've looked at those bits of information, and you've decided to interview the candidate, either on the phone, via video in this day and age of uh, COVID, or in person if it's safe to do so. So you want to ask good questions of the candidate, and to compare candidates, you might want to ask more than one candidate the same question. So 
It is a cliche to ask, what are your greatest strengths and weaknesses? And many people have prepared answers for those. However, it might be more appropriate to ask, why do you want to work for our company? Where do you see yourself in five years? You can use this question both to weed out people who have unrealistic expectations. Oh, I expect to, even though this job is the manager of finance, that in five years I'll be the CFO. Like, obviously, that's a little too hasty. But you want to see if people have a realistic viewpoint about working at your company and what it takes to succeed and what the path might be. Feel free to ask how the person heard about the position if you don't already know the person. Um, And ask questions such as, what's the most difficult situation you ever faced? How did you solve a major problem at work or in life? How do you get your news? One of my favorite questions is, what is your favorite website? Let the person talk. See if the person mentions a website that actually makes sense and isn't just pandering to the company. For example, I work at a media company. If somebody says, oh, my favorite website is xyzmediacompany.com, that might not sound realistic. But if the person says, my favorite website is genius because I love music and music lyrics, or my favorite website is ancestry.com because I'm fascinated about where I came from, that might start a branch of the conversation that tells you a little more about the candidate and why he or she is a bit more unique. You could also ask the candidates, what do you know about our competitors? To see not just if they've done their homework about you and your company, but if they've done their homework about some of the competition. That's an important element also, and it's always good to realize who else is out there. You could ask the candidate if he or she has interviewed at other companies, especially competitors, just to get a sense of how serious the person is about the job search. Once you've had that interview, and I hope you've taken notes during that interview, you might want to compare candidates. So realize that nobody is a perfect fit as no one has all of the requirements and skill sets that are listed in the job criteria, but you do want to rank the candidates based on what their relevant traits and skills are. If you've asked different candidates the same questions in the interview and you've taken notes, you have a more objective way of comparing them to each other as well. And don't, don't, don't consider hiring candidates just because they closely resemble you in terms of speech, background, or even appearance, because that's not necessarily who makes the best employee. You want to hire the person who's best for the company, not the person who most closely resembles you personally. You want to make sure the candidate is qualified for the job. If the person happens to have similar background and speech, uh, that's okay, but don't make that the main criteria. Don't hire somebody because she looks like your sister-in-law. Hire somebody because she has the right skills for the job, regardless of how she looks or how he looks. Always check references and check social media. Ask your colleagues if they know about this person. Uh, The reason I say that is even though people are generally only inclined to provide references who are going to give favorable uh, information, you could ask questions of the reference such as, would you consider hiring this person? If this person worked for you, would you hire this person again? What can you tell me about this person that I don't already know from the interview? This will give you a good sense of whether the reference really knows the person well and actually would hire the person again. So once you've made a decision about candidates and you've given an offer and the new person has started, let the other candidates off the hook. No one likes to be ghosted. So it's always good to say, thanks, we've found somebody who's a good fit. We wish you the best of luck. If you liked somebody, 
but the person uh, didn't get the job and you think the person might be right for your company in another role, say so. Tell the person to stay in touch. I'll give you a great example. After I got laid off from a major media company, I was out networking and interviewing. I saw a job listing for a tech company that sounded of interest, so I applied right away. Then, using LinkedIn, I triangulated to try to find people I knew who might know people at that company. I came across a person I recently met who knew the CEO, so I reached out to him and said, Hey, could you help me get a good word into the company? And he said, Sure, here's the CEO's email address. Email him directly and tell him I sent you. So I emailed the CEO and I said, Hey, you know, my friend suggested I reach out to you. I just applied online for this job. Well, the CEO forwarded my email to the head of HR. The head of HR forwarded my email to the internal recruiter. The internal recruiter saw the email, called me up and said, I saw this email trail that you came in through the CEO and that you applied. We'd love to have you come in and interview. I ended up interviewing with six different people at that company. And while I didn't get the job, the internal recruiter called me up and said, we gave the job to somebody else, but we'd love to talk to you about working for us as a consultant. So I said, okay, let's talk. To make a long story short, I ended up starting the same day as the candidate who did get the job. I worked as a consultant or a freelancer. He had, was an employee, and we worked there together. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, uh, and that's why it's always good to portray yourself in the best light and to treat people that you meet along the interview process kindly. I give that example because you never know when you talk to a candidate who seems right for the job, but there is, but you gave the job to somebody else, you might end up hiring that candidate sooner than you think. So let's also say that you're the interviewer, but it's for an informational or a mentorship kind of conversation, not for a job conversation. That means it'll be a little less formal, but it'll still be very important. So you want to ask similar questions of those candidates, especially if you haven't met the person before, such as, what is your background? What would you like to do career-wise? What are your goals in life? Why did you leave your last job? Do you like working at your current company? What about it? What else can you tell me about yourself? These are leading questions, of course, and it could cause the, uh, the mentoree to talk for a while, and that's okay too. And by the way, you may have limited amount of time, so you may need to ask the candidate to stop answering the current question so you can ask the next question. That's okay. It's your time. You do have to control the conversation to some degree. But you can learn a lot about the person. So feel free to take notes because for a non-job interview interview, you might remember even less if you don't take notes. I always take notes right on the person's resume just so I have them together. You might expect to have conversations like this with a few candidates from time to time, maybe even a few times a year. I think it's time well spent in part because you may end up hiring one of these candidates down the road, in part because you're spreading goodwill both about yourself and about your company and you're showing that both you and your company are approachable. You never know where that will lead for the potential candidate. Don't be afraid, by the way, to tell potential candidates for mentorships or for informational interviews that you're busy and you'll have more time to talk either next week or next month or in a few months. People have busy days, and it is difficult, I know, from personal experience, to set aside time to have these conversations. But it is a good thing to do from time to time. If a person reaches out to you too frequently, by the way, or is too intrusive, do not hesitate to say so. You're not doing the person a favor if you're not telling the person how to change his or her behavior. 
Otherwise, the person won't learn how to be better in the process and be more respectful both of your time and other mentors' time. Uh, don't promise what you can't deliver. Like if you think there's a job down the road, don't say, you'd be great for a job here. I'm going to make sure you get a job in the next couple of months because you can't really promise that if there's no job open. It would be better to say, I think you'd be a great fit if we had an appropriate job. Uh, tell the person to keep checking your website about job opportunities and to let you know if he or she sees something of interest, of course. If you're going to refer these candidates on to other people for informational interviews, Please get permission from those other people first before giving out their names and contact information. You don't want to swamp a work colleague or a friend with candidates just because you don't have time to see them all, of course. That person may become resentful of you. Also, encourage candidates to connect to you via LinkedIn and to watch the career site at your company, as I said, often because they might see things that are of interest to them. And by the way, if, a ca- if one of these informational candidates sees a job at the company that's of interest and says, hey, I just saw this job listing for the manager of XYZ, love to talk to you about it. If you think the person's not the right person for the job, you can actually say that. Say, hey, you know, I don't think this is the right job for you or we have an internal candidate already, but why don't you keep looking and let me know what else you see? So often it's easier to help people who express interest in a particular job opening or line of work to match them with the right mentors or the right informational uh, interviewers or even the right job listings. So it's good to understand what exactly a candidate is looking for. Also, ask the candidates whom you meet to periodically let you know how they're doing and whether or not they've landed another job. That's a good way of, of finding out if they're still looking. And if you connect to them on LinkedIn, you might actually see that down the road. I find LinkedIn to be the single best source for connections in the workplace, not just because it's individually volunteered information, but also because it's a good way of keeping track of people over time. You know, I met with that uh, tech company a number of years ago, and not everyone I met still works there, but I can go back to LinkedIn if I'm already connected and see, hey, my former boss when I was a freelancer now works at XYZ company. So it's a good way to maintain the network, whether you are the interviewer or the interviewee. And finally, one of the most important things of all, if you have a connection with somebody who's reached out to you for informational interviews, you've met once or twice over the years, and you feel the relationship is just not appropriate or beneficial, it's okay to cut it off and not to give false hope and say, listen, I've done as much as I can for you, I believe. I don't really think that we need to have these ongoing conversations. I suggest you try this other direction instead. It's always good to give people another path in life. Uh, It's always good to be honest with them. Uh, And you don't want to waste their time, and you certainly don't want them to waste your time. So that's our lesson for today. I hope you've appreciated this, whether you are an interviewee or an interviewer, and you've appreciated the other person's point of view. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear it. So please feel free to reach out to us at rob at therobsilverstoneshow.com. Thanks for listening and look forward to another episode.